I've kept it from everybody I know. I mean, every single one of my friends, they don't know a thing about it. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. You're living a life where you're carrying all the stress of the family. The attic, you're trying to cover for them because if people found out, there is a breaking point for the person who's carrying the weight of all this. You call me strong, you call me weak, but still your secrets I will keep. You took for granted all the times I never let you down. You stumbled in and bumped your head. If not for me, then you'd be dead. I picked you up, put you back on solid ground. If I go crazy, then will you still call me Superman? If I'm alive and well, will you be there holding my hand? I'll keep you by my side with my superhuman, my kryptonite. Do you live with somebody with an addiction? Whether they're hooked on alcohol, gambling, or even internet porn, their problem, it becomes yours. And what are you doing to help yourself and to have healing for you? I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, and this is Life, Love, and Family. Mark's story. Secretly addicted to alcohol, trying to keep it a secret at least. And you can imagine, his wife, she was exhausted. She had been keeping a secret for many, many years. In fact, she had begged him to stop. One day during the day, when he should have been at work, he was found at a tavern. And the story broke, and everybody knew. I remember this well, because many years ago, this was my pastor. And I remember the feeling that people couldn't believe he actually had an alcohol problem. And I remember his wife being, in some ways, obviously very tearful and they were sharing with the church congregation, but I remember her being relieved. It's out, that sense of knowing that I don't have to carry this secret anymore. You know, an addiction is an unspoken secret and it can eat you up whether you're the person who's the addict or you're the one living with the addict because you don't know what to do and it's a secret and you've tried everything. One day there is a breaking point. Now, if you live with somebody with an addiction, and addictions come in many forms. We want to begin the process today, kind of bringing that into the light, making some changes. Sam Kelly's with me today. The secrecy seems like that would be very isolating that the person who's yes. feeling like they're responsible to protect the secret ends up being very much isolated from community. Isolated, alone, afraid. Yeah. And, and you're afraid because you're carrying the secret and you're afraid for people to find out. Right. And you don't know what to do. When we look in the dictionary mm -hmm. at the word addiction, it comes from a Latin word that says enslaved by and bound to. And I think in a spiritual sense, an addiction is something that maybe starts with, I'll call a toehold. It's got a small hold in your life. And as time goes along, it gets a stronghold where it's controlling you and it's controlling your life. And you've got another private life, a secret life. And remember, addiction can come in many forms pornography, sexual addiction, social media. There's also the addiction of gambling. It comes in many different forms. Most of these we want to keep secret. What is in the mind of the person who's the spouse or the mom or dad of the person struggling? Maybe you're married to somebody and your husband, let's just say, and everything in life seems good. You're being well cared for financially. You have a home. Kids are 
being taken care of, but you have this one area. It may be rationalizing. Well, everything else is pretty good, but this one area, he's a good provider. He provides. And what would I do without him? Things would be worse. And we begin to rationalize something that's dysfunctional, not healthy. So there's that fear. What if he wasn't here? What would happen? What kinds of things have you seen? I know at the center, a place of hope right. that you founded 30 years ago, you talk with people with all kinds of bondages on their life and you help set them free. And this has been just probably the joy of what you do. As yes. people come in with things like this, what are some of the approaches that the spouse can take that are actually effective? This is a difficulty because usually an intervention, it means I realize that I've been codependent, which means I've enabled this. Perhaps you've tried a lot of different things. You have done the begging and you've cried and you've prayed and you've said, okay, I'm going to give you, and you've given ultimatums. You've tried everything you know. You're living a life where you're carrying all the stress of the family and the addict, you're trying to cover for them because if people found out and you're also trying to keep peace in the home, there is a breaking point for the person who's carrying the weight of all this. You know, I've heard spouses say, well, I don't want to ruin their reputation. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You feel like I have to keep it a secret. And you begin to, at times, rationalize, well, okay, if they're secretly drinking or doing what they're doing, maybe you turn to something yourself, looking for comfort, sneaking food or you're overeating or you have your own little thing that's bringing you comfort. And then you start to think, go, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of doing this, so I better leave them alone. It's almost a deal between the two of you. I won't say this about your thing if you don't say this about mine. Exactly. Can you get healed and get your life back? Yes, the answer is yes. And I see many situations where a person does. And once it's brought into the light, we have a chance to do something. This is an opportunity that says, you know what, my life is out of control. And this is what we have to say. This isn't working. My life's out of control and I have to become so humbled. I have a problem. I've got to deal with it honestly. That's a point that any addict has to come to. I've probably been secretive. I've been deceptive. I've likely lied quite a bit. <laughs> I've been in bondage to this and it's controlling my life. Just to be able to come to that place and just say that. Because there's a risk for the addict. The risk is I'm going to lose everything now. My wife or my husband. Now they're really going to leave me. So there's a lot of fear bringing it into the light. But we can't change anything that we can't talk about. So you got to talk about it so we can change it. Attic is one of those, it's a dirty word. To say I'm an addict or I live with an addict, it's almost like saying a swear word. And it connotates a lot of different things in people's minds. Right. We've got to come to a revelation of truth. And if you're living with somebody, how do you know for sure? Because, you know, we talk about, well, it starts off small and then over time, likely, it picks up some speed and it becomes more secret, usually requires more money, more deception, more lies. And it ends up really controlling a lot of your feelings, a lot of your behavior, and you end up turning to whatever that is being your only way to change your mood. That's my main thing. I can hardly wait. Maybe you start drinking earlier in the day. This is what works for me. It's to alter my mood. And it's the only thing I do. Maybe years ago, you used to do a lot of different things to feel good about yourself. But now it's come down to one single thing. And whatever that thing is, it's unhealthy 
and it's destructive and it's a secret. And so if you live with a person like this, making excuses for them, and that can come in many different forms. It's like, oh, well, I know you had a hard day, so it's okay. And you start to make excuses or if somebody calls and wants to talk with your spouse and you know he's been drinking and you're not going to give him this phone call, <laughs> right? right? You're making excuses for him. And so you think up some story or say he's not there or you make an excuse or a lie in order to cover up because you know he's not going to do a very good job on this phone call. Right. So you're fearing exposure too. So that's one of the signs. If you're making excuses, lying for another person, that there's probably a problem. Even the wife, and I've had this several times through the years, who buys the alcohol, if it's alcohol. If I don't buy this, he's going to be very angry and he always wants to make sure this is in the house. And so out of fear, you contribute to it and you're buying and you go, well, it's not so bad because if I don't do this, then and you're worried about what's going to happen. Do you ever find that people do that just because they like to feel needed? And so as long as I keep this person who I'm with kind of in dysfunction, even though I hate it and I'm providing the stuff that yes. I know they want to get off of, but at least it makes them continue to need me and I'm in a power position. Really, I will do anything to make this person happy and to make them feel good. This again, I'm being the co-addict or I'm being the codependent or I'm being the enabler. I will do anything just to keep them happy. I can get so sick in this disease and be such an unhealthy part of it, I am really contributing. And what you're saying is that the person who's the spouse of that person needs healing as much as the person who's yes, under addiction. Absolutely. Another question here. This one is from Jenny. She has been married to her husband for 30 years. And before they got married, he had a cocaine problem. She said he was amazing. He battled through it. And then he went to alcohol and she stood with him while he battled that and he had victory then he went to cigarette smoking and she stood by him and seven years ago he mm. quit the cigarettes fantastic and she supported him but she is watching him eat himself to death and yes. he weighs nearly 400 pounds Ooh. she says i feel like i can't do this one more time what would you say to someone like that do addictions follow addictions we call it dancing between addictions you have a dance with food for a while and or alcohol and then you conquer that one but then you haven't really figured out why you're doing this. So then you just choose a new partner. In his case, it's food. And food oftentimes is the acceptable one. Yeah, I know you're overweight, but our society generally treats men that are way overweight differently than women. I'm going to say, Jenny, your husband hasn't, because he's dancing between all these addictions. And, you know, what's after food? I don't know. His health's at risk. What is it? What is that? void what is that pain what is that core issue or issues that's causing him to really try to bring comfort and bring an addiction in it's serving some role for him that's why he keeps doing it how would you approach that as a spouse of someone where you know they have a heart issue or, or something from the yes. past that they haven't dealt with how are you going to go in when someone is so good at putting up the buffer sure. between you and them you're going to be afraid because maybe you've brought up things before and you really had your head chewed off reaches a point where you're going to bring it up, you're going to be honest with it. I'm really concerned. I'm concerned about your weight. And I know that you must be. So we still want to do this in a, what I call a gentle intervention, a loving approach. I love and care about you so much. I'm seeing this and I want to help you. Let's create a plan together. So you're going to try to join with the person, show some empathy. I know you must be really unhappy with this and I'm not here to judge you, but I really want to know 
what can we do together that can be of help? Give that opportunity. You're going to make the topic a little safer to talk about versus saying you are out of control with food. You are going to go immediately and get help. That's probably not going to work. So when you're dealing with a person with addiction, they need to know that you love them, but you're going to be firm. Work on the softer intervention first. When that doesn't work, and as scriptures give us the guidance, we're going to bring in another person. Don't do this alone. Jenny, you've had 30 years of living with somebody with various addictions. You need to look at what are you doing too. I wonder too, is it possible for someone to have a heart issue or reason for stacking up the addictions and they don't even know the reason themselves? Oh, that's a wonderful question. We may not even understand. Our brain chemistries have been off. Maybe I've had depression for a long time. So this is my way of self-medicating. I'm using food to try to feel better and it works kind of. So I keep doing it. Maybe I use alcohol to alter my mood so I feel different. Or it could be I've really been severely traumatized. Some things happened in my childhood. There could be significant loss. And I've really never connected the dots that that pain and that loss. And yeah, when I was in junior high is when I started first using drugs. Okay. And you start to connect the dots about how this started. We've done it for so long. We don't get it. Yeah. So many connections as you're listening today, and maybe you're thinking, I think that I've got something going on that matches up with all of this. On Life, Love, and Family, we're talking about living with an addict. The center is a safe place. It's a place of hope. And here's the phone number you can call anytime if you feel like you need the extra help. It's 888-771-5166. We're going to talk right now with Dave. Okay, I've been an addict of Oxys. That is a highly addictive pain medication yes. that was used or actually prescribed to me initially from a back injury that I had. I've used that as a crux in my life to, I don't know, to numb myself, I guess, with everything that's been going on with me. I've gone through a lot of things with my family, uh, working with them, and now trying to literally break the bondage or the, uh, the stronghold that they have over me. Tell me what's going on right now. Are you still using the pills? Right now, I'm in the process of trying to stop. Okay. Uh, stop using. I dabble back and forth with uh, the axes, and then uh, somebody that I would be able to get methadone to help with the withdrawal. Yeah. I went back and forth like this for five or so years now. Dave, tell us, what, tell us what this does to you and what it's like. The whole reason why I did it is because, like I said, it made me feel great. It relieved the physical pain, but at the same time, the mental anguish that I went through on a daily basis because of, uh, I guess, like I said, the stronghold that I have working with my family. It's been <sighs> mentally debilitating. Have, have you hid it from them, or how's this come about? This all came to fruition about a year ago when I've been a Christian for many years, and I literally told my wife, I, you know, my wife and I were going through you know, some severe marital problems. And she was a fairly new Christian herself. And one night, I think it was like Christmas Eve last year, around New Year's, I got really upset with God, praying to him, asking, why are you putting me through this horrific life that I have? And, and I was literally just cussing him out, just being honest with him, right? That night, after many years of keeping this from my wife, my wife went through my text and saw... Yeah. that I've had back and forth with some of my dealers. Got it. And uh, it exposed everything, and then it was like, okay, what do we do? And I've kept it from everybody I know just about. I mean, every single one of my friends, don't, they don't know a thing about it, 
My pastor, I've kind of shared a little bit, but doesn't know anything really. Uh, my parents are oblivious to it. But my wife and I have been trying to work on a game plan this past okay. year of me. It steals your life, though. It pulls you farther oh, than you ever yeah. want to go. and uh, Lost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars just on the drain. The extent that you will go to get it, too, right? Yes. A lot of stealing, a lot of lying, really just being dishonest. What have you done now to get help? I knew a lot of fraying. Yeah? I'm just trying to... Just trying to be free of it all, you know? Yeah. Have you sought help with somebody who has an addiction specialty? I, I don't know. I, I've had a... I've gone to rehab for alcohol many years ago. And then, I, you know, I thought that was the end of it. But then I've never really, I guess, like the other caller or the other email... Use substitute one addiction to another. I mean, yeah. I've used pot since like, like my, I started it when I moved as a young child in junior high. I stopped that in high school, and then you know, college, just living a carnal Christian life, not really caring. And then after getting married and having like three kids and not being really happy with where everything was going, I just pursued the uh, the oxys outside of the prescriptions that I was getting initially after my surgery was done and all that stuff. You need to have somebody that can come alongside you and really help you complete this process. As we know, most of the pain meds are highly addictive for anybody, particularly if we've had an addictive history that we're just set up. Yeah. And I sense today in your voice there's anguish and there's pain and you're feeling it. At the same time, I, I, I do feel a lot more hope than I've ever had before. I mean... Have you cut, cut yourself off from the suppliers, though? Yeah, I've tried. I mean, I've changed phones. Uh, I haven't given my phone number to them. But it's kind of one of those things where if I really wanted to get it, it's pretty easy. You yeah, know if I, mean? I really want it, I'm going to get it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, mean, I haven't done anything extremely rash or anything like that. But nevertheless, it's a stronghold. And, and I know that you know, I'm trying to leave it up to God to at least to pray about it and to at least exit the, uh, the business that I'm in with my family and the, okay. just kind of go on. And, Dave, ultimately, uh, ultimately you're, this is a, ultimately a life and death decision because this where this can take you. You can see how far it's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and right now, it's like, I guess, my wife and I have been working on, uh, she's been highly encouraging me to, you know, just to stop. I'm being very loving, to say the least. And it, whereas before, like, when she initially found out, it was just nothing but constant nagging and, you know, just like giving it ultimatums. And I think through this whole process, I feel like Christ has really brought both of us together and she's been transformed herself. God is clearly at work and his grace covers you and you need to take the next step though. You know, there's a type of doctor who helps with these, the addictionologist, who's a, right. usually a physician that really has a specialty in this area. I mean, you need to get with right. somebody, confess it all and get the kind of help because physically your body and the withdrawal as you know so this is something that needs to be medically monitored and we want to make sure you get the help today you need yeah you know i, I know and so i don't know part of me is just i feel like i can stop it if i really 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 wanted to but there's always that part of me that doesn't you right. know, as an addict but if i really really wanted to stop it i would have <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's still in there yeah let's get you the help you need and if you'll stay on the line, I can get you some resources that I want you today to say, yes, I will at least 
check out these resources because you've got to make a decision. Yeah, I do. I know I do. I've been like lowering my dosages, I guess, or not taking as much, not using as much, being honest with my wife, helping, having her help right. me keep accountable, I guess, you know. So. But those are all the things we do. We kind of play with it a bit, but there reaches that point of decision that says, I'm going to do this, enough's enough, and I've got to get the help I need in order to do this. And you did that before with alcohol, it sounds like. Yeah, I did. Let's get the stronghold off you. And there's a spiritual piece. Can I say a prayer with you before we put you on hold to get you some more information? Yeah. Lord, I thank you for Dave, who was brave and called today. And you know how long this has been a struggle. And you also know Dave's heart and his desire for freedom. Lord, I ask that supernaturally your Holy Spirit would give him what he needs and walk with him so he makes a decision today decision that says i'm going to do whatever it takes to safeguard his life safeguard his family and to live with a new peace free of addiction free of all this and whatever needs to be dealt with will be we ask this in jesus name amen thank you thank you there's something so beautiful about that that he'd be brave to call and it's the time where change happens and so even while that sounds like a tragic and hard thing what a wonderful moment As you're listening today on Life, Love, and Family, we're talking about how unhealthy patterns can take over when you share your life with an addict. You spend a lot of your time trying to fix someone's problems. There's a book for you from Dr. Jantz. It's Hope and Healing from Emotional Abuse. That's a great resource that'll help you figure out how things of the past may have affected your relationship. Some real strategies in there, too, to find healing and balance for your life. Want to find out more? Get a copy of your book. You can look online at aplaceofhope.com. And here's the phone number for the Center of Place of Hope, too. It's 888-771-5166. A question for you about supplements. Are there some things that you can take if you're battling that kind of addiction, that kind of tightness where you feel like you need a buffer? Are there things that you can do nutritionally that help you? There are some things you can do nutritionally that help you. We know the higher the sugar consumption, the more you may crave. Okay. So There's you go, that. oh, please don't take my ice cream with me. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to drink anymore, but don't take my ice right, cream. Right, right. So, well, one of the things is you can do some certain types of supplements, and I would do this with a person that's knowledgeable to help you, but that can help decrease cravings. We actually do something called IVs, intravenous, you know, IV like you may get at the hospital, IVs that are mixed with vitamins and minerals, particularly if it's an addiction to help eliminate some cravings, a lot of the B vitamins. So if you drink a lot of alcohol, you're really depleting a lot of your B vitamins and then you actually crave more alcohol. This was done for years in Canada. Our Canadian friends, if you go to alcohol and drug treatment there, you'd see somebody with their IV walking down the hall and that thing is full of B vitamins because they knew that that was helping them diminish cravings and B vitamins are for our nervous system, for our mental health, and a person starts to feel better. Now, wouldn't it be nice to feel a little better and have less cravings? So there are some things you can do. What about sleep? Is sleep ever an issue in this whole deal? I know you do the whole person approach when you're at the center of Place of Hope. It's pretty much a whole package deal. Well, we even put them on a sleep study. Uh We we actually wire you up and watch your sleep for a night or two. Because if you have addiction, it's going to affect your sleep cycles. You know, a person that has, um, where they've altered their brain and their sleep cycles, you're not going to feel rested and you can like sleep and sleep, but I just don't feel rested. Or you may wake up a lot in the night right? and you're not rested because your body or your brain is waking you up. Insomnia, broken sleep, not having enough 
sleep in that deep stage that we call it REM sleep. The more alcohol you drink, the less you have of REM. It's one of the reasons for a hangover. So we've got to address sleep as well. So many things to think about. And again, a place of hope.com is a great place to start. If there's anything that you've heard in this show and you've thought that might be an issue, a place of hope.com. And I love that you take the heart angle, the spiritual angle, and what you said earlier about our hearts needing some healing sometimes yes. when we're stuck in a bondage like that. And that addiction really is. You're stuck for that moment and there is freedom. Sam, there is freedom. You use the word freedom. And I think of the many, many lives who have contacted me years later and said, you know what? I'm still walking strong. I just wanted to let you know. I know there's freedom. And here's the thing. Nobody regrets getting help, but you always will regret if you waited or you let it go too far, then there's regret. So there's hope. God's plans for us, a future and a hope. Never let them see It's so hard to watch a loved one struggle with an addiction. At times you feel angry, and other times you feel scared and worried. Why is your loved one doing this? And why is he doing it to you? As you've listened today, maybe it's the first time you've realized that you've been blaming yourself for your spouse's addiction. And there's a lot of shame there. And you know, it is not your fault. Let today, this day, be the day that you take the focus off your loved one's problems and begin finding healing for you. We really would like to help, and it's worth it. I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, founder of The Center, A Place of Hope. Together with my friend and colleague, Dr. Tim Clinton, and all the team here at Life, Love, and Family, we do have the resources that you need to get this going. So call us now, 855-455-3264. It's 855-455-3264. And I'd like to thank you personally for listening to Life, Love, and Family. If you'd like to share what you've heard today, you can listen to the program again, or you can send it to somebody you love from our website, lifeloveandfamily.net. You can break free from the bonds of addiction and these unhealthy patterns. It's worth it. And your Heavenly Father, He has plans for you. 
and it's time now to have a new peace and have that hope and a future. Life, love, and family. Dan was so depressed, all he could do was lay in bed. He tried all different kinds of therapy, programs, medications. Nothing worked. But his wife says as soon as she saw the website, aplaceofhope.com, she knew that that was going to be the key to her husband's healing. And it was. Aplaceofhope.com. They don't just treat depression. They treat the whole person. If you've tried everything and you or someone you love needs help with depression, call 888-771-5166 or find out more. Aplaceofhope.com. Com.